G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To Telestai, Christ is saying it is finished. What was finished? Well, for starters, finished were the horrendous sufferings of Christ. But listen to this. Finished also was Satan's stronghold on humanity. That means that no Christian has to be under the power of sin any longer. With that one Greek word, Pastor Greg Laurie says Jesus was proclaiming the victory mankind needed. It's done. It's finished. It's accomplished. To Telestai. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins Imagine a town in an old western movie There sits the western union office The clerk is wearing his visor those horn-rimmed glasses he's hovering over his desk and when you pay for your telegram he stamps it paid in full in big bold letters on a new beginning in one of our most requested messages of the past year pastor greg laurie points out when jesus proclaimed to talistai he was declaring the debt of man's sin forever paid in full let's learn more title of my message today is, It Is Finished. Okay, I admit it. I don't always finish what I start. I will start a project and I lose interest in it. Like my office is always a mess because I have books piled on top of books and I don't like to throw things away and believe it or not, in my mind in that mess I know where things are. But uh, it, it overwhelms me and I realize this has got to be taken care of. Now, I'm a messy person. My wife is a very neat person. How many of you are messy people? Raise your hand up. You're messy. Just admit it. Own it. Okay. Uh, I wonder why there was so much trash laying around you over there. No, I'm kidding. Okay. How many of you are very neat people? You're neat freaks. Wow. We have a lot of neat people here. Okay. How many of you are married and one of you is messy and one of you is neat? Raise your hand up. Yeah. That big, <laughs> that, that's a lot of you. Okay, well, that's challenging uh, in the marriage relationship. That's a perfect description of our marriage. You know, I'll, I'll start to clean. I'll start to straighten things up. And then I'll get about 90% done and I'll think, I'll get to this later. And I never get to it. And that becomes the seed for the next mess, right? But here's the good news. God always finishes what He begins. He always completes that which He starts. Scripture tells us that He is the author and what? Finisher of our faith. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it under the day of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just choose someone and say, I love you and I'm going to change you and I have a plan for your life and I am bored with you. I'm moving on. It's just, you're like, What? <laughs> No, he always finishes what he starts. He completes that work. And I bring this up because we're looking at the story now of the death 
of Jesus. And we're going to see how He went to the cross willingly and died for our sin and completed what He began. In fact, from the cross, we will see in a few moments, He gave those words, it is finished. And I'll explain to you what those words meant then and what they mean to us now. But here is Jesus now hanging on the cross and He gives seven significant statements. Every one of them was important. Even the order of them is important. And the order is, statement number one, He says, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Statement number two is a response to the thief that was crucified next to him who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Statement number three, to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then looking to the apostle John standing next to her, he said, son, behold your mother. Statement number four, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Number five, he says, I thirst. Statement number six, it is finished. And his final statement, a prayer to the Father, when he says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. The first words of Jesus were a prayer to the Father. His second words were a pardon to a sinner. His third words were a passing of responsibility to a friend. And his fourth words were a plea to the Father when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is believed by many, myself included, that that was the moment Jesus was bearing the sin of all of the world, all of your sin, all of my sin, all of humanity's sins. Why? Listen to this. On the cross, God treated Jesus as if He had lived your life and He did this so He could treat you as if you had lived His life. Let me repeat that again. On the cross, God the Father treated Jesus as if He had lived your life. And He did this so He could treat you as if you had lived His life. That's the good news of the gospel. That God forgives me of my sin and places the righteousness of Christ into my account. It's unbelievable. Here we see the creator of the universe dying on the cross. And now we come to statement number five, the first statement of a personal nature when he says, I thirst. Now that's not here in Matthew. That's over in the Gospel of John. And remember, God came near, this series we're in, is a chronological look at the life of Christ from all four Gospels. And John tells us that at that point, he said, knowing these things were accomplished and the scripture was fulfilled, I thirst. And a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it in his mouth. The worst of the battle is behind him now. Up to this point, he is only focused on the needs of others. <laughs> First he thinks about the people that crucified him, then the criminal crucified next to him, then his mother, then he thinks about the sins of humanity, and now for the first time he says something about his own need, I thirst. This is just a reminder that Though it is true that Jesus was fully God, 100% God, God in the womb of the virgin, God at birth, God in his childhood, God in his public ministry, God hanging on the cross, God rising again from the dead, it is also true he was fully man. A real, living, breathing man. He felt pain like any other man. He was tired, he was hungry, and of course he was thirsty. And we see the humanity of Christ on display here. And I bring this up because 
When you're going through hardship, you need to know that you serve a God that knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. You see, you can cast your care upon Him, as 1 Peter 5 says, because He cares for you. Is your body racked with pain? So is His. Have you ever been misunderstood or misjudged or misrepresented? So is He. Have you ever had your closest friends turn away from you? They did that to Him as well. Have you ever had someone you were close to betray you? That also happened to Christ. But Jesus did not focus on His own pain. He focused on the pain of others. And that's a very important truth for us to take home because pain's gonna come into every life. Oh, we try to control it. And we don't want pain in our life, but it will come. And there's a lot of ways that pain can come. It can be physical pain because of an injury. It can be physical pain because of an illness or a sickness you have. It can be physical pain due to a disability. It can be the emotional pain of, of problems that you're having in your life with relationships. And there's all kinds of pain that can come into life. It can be the pain of losing a loved one. The pain of grief. So pain's gonna come. No one's gonna live a trouble-free life. And there's no vacation from human suffering and tragedy. But here's what you can do. You can control what you do with the pain. When we are in pain, instead of trying to get rid of it, we should instead think of ways to leverage it. Instead of saying to God, get me out of here, we should say, what can I get out of this? Let me say that again. Instead of saying to God, get me out of here, say, what can I get out of this? So instead of trying to understand why, you just say what? What can I do with this? Here's what you do with it. You take your pain and you use it as a tool to help others who are also in pain. It comes down to this. Uh, for those of us that are suffering, I think if we focus more on the needs of others, it would help put our problems in perspective. By that I mean, it doesn't mean your pain goes away, but I find that when I reach out to someone who is hurting, maybe they've lost a loved one, even a child, as I minister to them, it kind of ministers to me. I find the more that I give out, the more it comes back to me. You can sit around and pity yourself and say, why, why, why? Or you can say, how can I use this? And Paul says, God allows us to go through these sufferings so we can comfort others with the same comfort that we ourselves have been comforted with. So here's Jesus always thinking of others, but now he is experiencing a thirst that is burning and severe. Scientists tell us that thirst is the most agonizing of all pain. Every cell in the body cries out and it only gets worse with time. I mean, let's not forget what Jesus has gone through. Tremendous loss of blood. The discouraging. He's been beaten. He's been hit. Uh, he's been nailed to a cross, but even more, he has borne all the sin of the world upon himself and he is depleted. He is just crying out, I, I thirst. He was so thirsty. We can't even imagine the thirst he was experiencing. It shows his humanity. And then he asks for help. I thirst. Like someone help me. And some brave soldier gives him some water. Man, I wish I could have been that guy to bring a little comfort to Jesus. But guess what? You can be that guy. You can be that girl. You say, what are you talking about, Greg? We're going to get into a time machine and go back 2,000 years? Yes. And it's a DeLorean. Who wants to go? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, here's how you can do it. Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. 
And they responded, well, when were you hungry? When were you thirsty? When did we give you drink? And he said, when you did it to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. So I see someone who's hurting. I say, I'll give you that cup of water. I'll give you that meal. I'll help put a roof over your head. I'll put some clothes in your back. And best of all, I will give you the message of the gospel. Well, thanks for joining us for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. And it's a message called, It Is Finished, considering the sacrifice Jesus made at Calvary, highlighting the seven statements the Lord made during those critical moments. This is one of the past year's most requested messages. So now we come to one of the most significant statements of the cross. It is when Jesus says, it is finished. That's statement number six. It is finished. It comes from a single word in the Greek, tetelestai. It is finished. It is completed. It is accomplished. You know, at the age of 33, most people are saying, it is beginning. But at the age of 33, Christ is saying, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it's finished. There's a difference. Because this is not the shout of a victim overcome by his circumstances. This is the shout of a victor overcoming all of his enemies. It's done. It's finished. It's accomplished. Tetelestai. I think these words were heard by everyone around because one gospel says he shouted it. Tetelestai. They knew that word. It was a common word used in that culture. Uh, if you were framing a house or building a chair or planting a field, when you were done, you would say, Tetelestai. Common word just meant it's done. If you were painting a canvas or you were doing a sculpture and it was completed, you would say, Tetelestai. So it was a word people understood, but Jesus is now applying it to what He has just accomplished. Yes, it was heard by those that were present. And I think it echoed through the hallways of heaven. Uh, mission accomplished. It's all been done. And there was a shout of victory. And I think it also echoed through the corridors of hell as they realized what a huge mistake they had made. You see, the devil thought by having Jesus put to death, he could stop him, not realizing that he was helping to fulfill prophecy because Jesus came with the express purpose of dying for the sin of the world. To Tetelestai, it is finished. This is translated a lot of ways. One translation is, it is paid. Another translation, it's performed. Even another, it's accomplished. All of those translations give a sense of what the word actually means. So what was pain? The price of our redemption. What was performed? The righteous requirements of the law. What was finished? Well, for starters, finished were the horrendous sufferings of Christ. Never again would he experience pain at the hands of Satan. Never again would he bear the sins of the world. Never again would he, even for a moment, be separated from the Father in fellowship. But listen to this. Finish also was Satan's stronghold on humanity. See, this plan of the devil to stop Jesus blew up in his face. We're told in Hebrews 2.14, through death Christ destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. You see, that means that no Christian has to be under the power of sin any longer. Now, I didn't say you're not going to sin any longer. Because if I said to you I don't sin anymore, I would be sinning when I said that. Because it would be a lie. Everyone sins. In fact, the Bible says that we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We all sin. 
But there's a difference between sinning as a human being, being sorry for it and repenting of it and living in a pattern of sin or a lifestyle of sin or under the power of sin. Maybe today as you hear this message you're under the power of sin. Maybe you're an alcoholic or you're a drug addict or you're addicted to pornography or, or you know, you have these other issues and you say to yourself, Greg, it's, you know, it's in the genes, man, not the ones I'm wearing, but in the family. You know, my mom was this way. My grandfather was this way. Hey, I get that. My family that I came from, the McDaniel family, was made up of notorious Christians and notorious sinners. Uh, some of my aunts were so strong in their faith and serving the Lord and others were wayward, alcoholic people. And so, you know, you look at my own life. I mean, my mom was married and divorced seven times. She's an alcoholic. I had the odds stacked against me. If things went the way they normally would go, I would have been divorced multiple times and I'd be a drunk so you wouldn't even understand me. And I obviously wouldn't be a preacher. <laughs> but God intervened in my life. God can change your family history. He can break that pattern and that cycle of sin and give you a different story than you had. And I've been married 41 years. And you know what the secret is? Being messy. No, I'm kidding. No, the secret is you do it God's way and you follow the Word of God. But that's finished, that power of sin. So don't tell me, I can't get free from this sin. You can in your own strength, but Christ can set you free because He purchased that freedom at the cross of Calvary. So start using it. Also finished was our salvation. Our salvation is paid for. It's completed. All of our sins were transferred to Jesus when He hung on the cross and all of His righteousness was transferred to our account. There's nothing I need to do to add to the work He's done for me. There, there's no work you need to add on. It's done. Now in light of that, live that out. It is finished. So now the, the storm has passed. The devil's done his worst. The Lord has put the sin of the world on him. And now the final statement of Jesus from Calvary. And by the way, this shows he was in control. Once he had completed the work he would now do. He said, into your hands I commit my spirit. You see, Jesus left when he was done. He said, no one takes my life from me. I give it to my own accord. And that's why they were surprised when they came to the body of Jesus to break his legs and he was dead. You say, why would they break the legs of someone hanging on a cross? Well, as I told you before, death by crucifixion is effectively death by suffocation. Uh, because you're not able to breathe. There's a little place to put your feet on at the base of the cross. And, and you push yourself up and you get air. And so when they wanted the prisoners to die, they would come with a huge kind of mallet and smash their knees and their legs would break and they would immediately suffocate. They came to smash the knees of Jesus and He was gone. Why? Because He had given up His spirit. And they didn't even touch Him and fulfilled a prophecy that said not one of His bones will be broken. But He had accomplished the work God had given Him to do. I want you to notice that in His seven statements, three times on the cross, Jesus addressed the Father. His first words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His fourth statement, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And finally, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I think that's a good thing to look at because Jesus addressed the Father in the beginning, in the middle, and the end. And we should do the same in life. One day we're going to breathe our last breath when we leave this world. I hope that you're calling on the Father. 
Do it in your youth. Do it in your middle age. And do it in your final years. In fact, we're told in Ecclesiastes, remember the Creator and the days of your youth. Lest when you grow old, you say, I no longer find living pleasant. See, do it now and establish good habit patterns now, younger people. And you who are middle-aged, you need to continue to pray and honor the Lord right to the very end. That's what Jesus did. He prayed to the Father in the beginning, in the middle, and the end. And He lays us life down. That's Pastor Greg Laurie with some important insight on how Jesus finished his mission at the cross, a pivotal moment for humanity. And he has more to come as this study continues. It's one of the most requested messages of the past year as we count down the top 10 over the next couple of weeks. Well, tomorrow, Pastor Greg shares some more insight on the finished work of Christ upon the cross. Hope you can join us for more as we kickstart a brand new year tomorrow on A New Beginning. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called It Is Finished. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.